Alright ladies and gentlemen, it is the end of a three day weekend here in Seattle. A beautiful sunny day. Yeah, you know, it does actually, the sun does shine in Seattle. You know, I'm a little bit more relaxed than usual. Couldn't tell you why. Still gonna be some craziness, but here we are. Dane and Nick, episode four, Pac-12 football. Oh yeah, I thought I should just mention, I'm sitting on my front porch. Beautiful sun, great air, just beautiful day. Yeah, I can't reiterate that enough. The neighbors probably think I'm talking to myself, but... Alright, let's get to it. Pac-12 football. So, kind of a smaller slate of games this week. Uh, the most, I'd say, kind of... Actually, I'd say it comes down to the individual's pick, but maybe from an outside perspective, Washington versus Oregon State was the biggest game of the week. Um, you could also say USC, Arizona State, depending on the time zone. But quick takeaways before we get into the games uh, in a little bit more detail. So, you have UW... Uh, Beating Oregon State, dominating them defensively, um, pulled out, I believe, a 19-17 to win. Just their defense controlled the tempo of the game, plain and simple. Uh, USC, ASU, uh, USC jumped out to a huge lead. Uh, really looked like they had full control of the game. They are facing a backup quarterback, at, uh, ASU had their backup quarterback in. And uh, ASU almost came all the way back, um, almost actually pulled out the win. And um, Christian Rector, uh, good thing he's back, uh, the defensive end, um, star defensive end for the Trojans um, made a huge uh, tip, uh, tip the ball to himself, made a diving interception to seal the victory for them, 31-26. You had Colorado-Stanford um, and you know, kind of a game that may have not gotten as much publicity, but turned out to be really fun. Came down to final kick where Colorado was able to win on homecoming, 16-13. Good for uh, senior quarterback Steven Montez. Nice for Mel Tucker and the Buffs to get back in the win column. And the final game of the week, um, the last game on the slate was a the Washington State Cougars versus the Cal Golden Bears. And um, I think this is probably your upset of the week. Um, the Golden Bears uh, beat the Cougs and uh, really shut down the air raid offense. Um, with the exception of the Apple Cups, um, w, uh, WCU and Mike Leach's offensive system has not been held in check that much. So good job for uh, Cal to pull out the victory. They had uh, Devon Monster, their backup quarterback, was back in action. Or, um, I'm not sure if it was his first game back, but he, he played a solid game, led them to victory. So we'll jump into it, Dane. Not going to force energy. I guess I forced a little bit there. But you know what? Just meant beautiful day. Just happy Veterans Day. Thanks to everyone um, who's fought for our country, um, giving me the freedom to speech. Uh, greatly humbled by all your efforts. So that's a little bit more important than football. And today, I want to make sure we get in there. But you're still here for football. So th- uh, let's get it going, Dane. Uh, excited to hear what you have to say about the weekend's games. Yeah, first thing first, uh, happy Veterans Day. A special shout out to all the veterans in the country, uh, especially those still in the armed forces uh, serving around the world. Uh, This day is really about remembering the sacrifices that they have made to our country and appreciating the service uh, that they continue to uh, do and make each and every day while we you know, are able to talk about sports. It's uh, really what's most important. And from a football perspective, the biggest shocks, uh, I guess they weren't really shocks, but they're surprises. Certainly the Cal result and the Colorado result. Um, kind of surprised how close the USC ASU game was, especially considering what happened in the first quarter. Uh, that interception there at the end was great. I don't think it was a controversial call, though the ASU fans may disagree. I think it was a pretty clear interception. And yeah, uh, Oregon and Utah had the week off, so really from a national stage, it was a really quiet week in the, the Pac-12 that was really, uh, for lack of a better word, unnoteworthy. And but yeah, let's jump right into it. Cruising down the street in my six foe. Da da da. All right, the rest of the song is way too inappropriate. But yeah, I figured that'd be a nice way to get your juices flowing, your crave juices, ready for some football knowledge, some information. So we're going to hop into Washington versus Oregon State. And, um,. The biggest takeaway from this game is how dominant Washington's defense was. They literally controlled the tempo the entire game. 
I mean, Oregon State could not move the ball to save their life. And um, ultimately, that was the story. I believe the final score was 19-7, to unless there was a late touchdown added. So this uh, win's going to stop the Beavers' uh, kind of hot streak of back-to-back conference victories. Um, for Jake Luton, uh, he, he's simply a uh, quarterback Jake Luton of the Beavs. He simply had no time to throw. No one was open. Um, Isaiah Hodgins, their star wideout, couldn't create much space. And um, like I said, Oregon State's offense, really, there was nothing that worked. There was not a moment where you thought things might change. They really just, they, they were stymied. That's the best word I can think of. I mean, I think uh, Luton finished with under 100 yards passing on the day. I think the grand total may have been 88, um, something along those lines. Don't quote me on the exact statistic. Um, I think I believe he had one interception, uh, zero touchdowns. And so for Oregon State going forward, um, all right, we have a car. Still still on the porch here. What does this car think they're doing messing up the podcast? So Oregon State, though, um, going forward, this is kind of what you expected. UW was a more physically dominant team. Um, Again, this is um, Oregon State's kind of performed their maximum ability, so good for them. They still have an outside shot to make a bowl game. so they still have a lot to play for, but this game, I mean, in the program, you're always going to say it's a setback. You can always do better. But from an outside perspective, I think it's pretty clear that they just got dominated. And I wanted to add their running back, Jamar Jefferson, is a warrior. That guy took brutal hit after brutal hit. These were NFL caliber hits, and <laughs> you were starting to feel for the kid, man. But he kept running, so tough tough effort. Um, Lost for the Beavs. Um, it, is, it is what it is, and... Their big test will be going forward. I believe they have ASU um, in one of their next two games, which should prove winnable. And they do have uh, the Civil War and their rivalry game with Oregon, which hey, weird things that happen in rivalry games. So, again, they have three games left. If they win two of them, they they can qualify for a bowl. And if you're Oregon State, that's really – that would be a phenomenal season. That would be a vast improvement. And regardless of what happens the rest of the way, they've done a great job just – Respect to head coach Jonathan Smith and the way he's built the program. On the other side of the coin, the Huskies, this is one of those things where it's tough to beat up on a kid. you got to understand he's a kid. Um, but Jacob Eason, he is really just not getting the job done. And I'm not going to call out, like, any just anyone in particular, but it's like you listen to the announcers when they play this game. They're talking about, like, oh, Jacob Eason is a stud. Oh, he's got this rocket arm. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. It's so amazing. He he rules the world. And it's like, do you watch the game? He's played absolutely terrible the last two games. Um, UW's program has fallen off. And the reason I'm starting off with this is because Washington had the game fully in control. They're up like 13 to zero. And for the second week in a row, Jacob Eason threw a pick six. It pivotal moment I mean all of a sudden the game was 13 to 7 and the Beavers had life and they hadn't moved the ball offensively at all like literally at all so that pick six I believe is by a cornerback Jadon Grant just literally like it bred life into the program and had the Huskies defense not played so composed and like this game could have flipped and this is exactly the script wow flipped and script rhyme bars baby was that my cousin's rap show last night I guess I guess I got my skills but no so um this is exactly what happened last week when UW played Utah. Everyone's like, oh, Utah's a better team. No, UW was physically outmatching them. They were controlling the tempo. And Jacob Eason threw that pick six. Um, I, I don't remember the Utah cornerback name, but he threw the pick six. And all of a sudden, that was it. Utah lit up. They knew this was their chance to kind of get the goals, get the South title, finally get over that UW hump. And if he doesn't throw that pick six, they're not getting over that hump. So when you go back to this Oregon State um, Washington game, that pick six again, it it really, that would have been it. I mean, if Oregon State wins this game and thus he's go to five and five, what's left to say? Um, luckily, luckily for Eason, um, head coach Chris Peterson, um, the defense would not be denied. I, I can't reiterate that enough. In running back, when it was 13-7, to uh, Salvan Ahmed, the Huskies starting halfback, took one, it was like six, he took a long run to the house to make it 19-7. And that ultimately ended up sealing the game. So, the main thing here, if you're a Huskies fan, do you cheer for Eason or do you want him to be replaced? That, that I think, is a big question, as we want for any kid. It would be very cool to see him succeed and use that NFL-type caliber. I mean, 
this is his hometown. He's he's technically from Lake Stevens, Washington, which is about 30, 45 minutes from Seattle. So he's playing at home. So it'd be really cool to see him do good in front of the home fan base. But it'd be a lie to say that he's getting the job done. He's hurting the team. Like It, it felt like the whole Huskies team was basically trying to win the game and Easton was just not on the same page. Um, so, again, you got to cheer for him. I hope, I hope things work out for him. But right now, plain and simple, he's not getting the job done. Bottom line, UW's defense played the best game of their year. The running game was very solid, and it led them to victory. So good for the Huskies. Still got a couple games down the stretch to finish out the year strong. And um, again, for Oregon State, this is kind of what you expected. No shame in this loss. They play solid, and um, let's see what they can do down the stretch. It, it would be really, really cool to see the Beavers make a bowl game. Dane, what are your thoughts on this game? All right, so everything Nick said, uh, yeah, I am completely sure that. He 100% knows what he's talking about for both of these teams. Covers Oregon State and Washington. He also lives in Seattle. Uh, is very familiar with both of these teams. So there's not much I can add to that. Although I would not be overly concerned if you're a Washington fan. I know Jacob Eason has not lived up to expectations. And if you look at his stats, I mean, 16 for 32, 175 yards and two interceptions against Oregon State. That is certainly a red flag, though, according to several, you know, national pundits, he's at least the beginning of the season was expected to go to the NFL at the end of this year. I don't know if that's changed, although... If I had to guess, he's still going to go to the NFL. I'm not sure staying an extra year is going to do much for his draft stock. He'll probably go somewhere after the third round. Um, But he'll get drafted, and we'll see how he does in the NFL. Um, And something deeper about the Washington Huskies, if you're concerned with your quarterback play, which they seem to always be, even with uh, Jake Browning. Uh, The common denominator of all that is Chris Peterson's system. And so if you think about it, like, look at Wazoo. They put quarterbacks in the NFL. Not necessarily because those quarterbacks are amazing athletes or anything like that, but because they're in a system that allows them to thrive and I don't even know what the offensive system up there for UW is for the quarterback. It seems like a pro style, lots of runs, lots of play action, uh, little uh, or not very much shotgun where it's a clear and obvious spread the field pass type situation. So you're putting your quarterback. It's like a it's an NFL type of offense. I feel like where you you put your quarterback into positions where. He has to make the right read and execute the throw. And if he doesn't make the right read or if he makes the right read and doesn't execute the throw, then he's going to look bad. It's not like Wazoo where you're in a shotgun spread where you have five wide receivers and you're just going to find one of the guys who's open because you can guarantee somebody's going to be open. Um, It's not that system. And so if you're looking for a quarterback that, fits Chris Peterson's system, I mean, that's going to be hard to find. There's not many quarterbacks who run a a pro-style, NFL pro-style offense. It's similar to what Stanford runs. And, I mean, other than Andrew Luck, you know, Stanford hasn't been putting uh, quarterbacks into the NFL. If you look at NFL-level quarterbacks, you know, Wazoo basically is leading the conference in that regard. Um, and so you compare the offensive systems and Washington's leaves you, you know, something to be desired. I mean, you're six and four this year. You're going to go to a bowl game. Uh, it's unclear what bowl game you're going to go to, but I feel like the fan base, it's really going to come down to the game against Washington state and the apple cup. And that'll really make or break Eason's legacy. Um, I think Washington has won several in a row against Wazoo. So if Eason loses that game, man, the fan base is going to be really frustrated. Though, 
I wouldn't worry too much. Your recruiting classes are always strong. Um, yeah, and you got Salvin Ottman. This game, you know, he had 25 carries, uh, 175, 174 yards with two touchdowns. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so you can lean on that rushing attack for the rest of the season. And you probably need to make things easier for Eason. I don't think he's proven able to really run that system up there efficiently. And if you're Oregon State, um, your chances of making a bowl just got a lot more difficult. Though if you're able to be ASU this weekend and then um, get a road victory at Wazoo, who just lost to Cal, um, you're right there. But it starts with a stronger performance this weekend against Arizona State, who also has a good defense, but I don't know what happened if you're only able to score um, off a pick six after putting up, I think, 55 or something on Arizona the week before. It's just really inconsistent, and uh, you need to get back to um, what you were doing when you are on. I think it was a three-game win streak, uh, though you can still make a bowl. It's getting tougher and tougher by um, by the day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have moved to the backyard. The Seattle Sun was trying to elude me, so I had to go find it for myself. And want to hear the best and most corny, unplanned sun joke? Speaking of the sun, the next game we are going to talk about is the USC Trojans versus the ASU Sun Devils. <laughs> oh, baby. Didn't see that one coming, did you? So uh, this game was kind of a really peculiar game. Um, USC jumped out to a huge lead. It was 28-7 to at one point. They had huge uh, plays by um, Keenan Christian, the freshman running back, who really could be the kind of new uh, the new star player in USC. I guess that's a pretty simple way to play, uh, say it there. So before I dive too, uh, too far about him, we'll keep uh, talking about the game here. So 28-7, USC got out hot. Um, Keenan Christian making big plays. Keaton Slovis making a bunch of huge throws. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown uh, was connected on a huge long touchdown pass down the middle of the field. Michael Pittman Jr. at over 100 yards. Um, See, so really, the whole the ASU or the excuse me, the Trojans' offense was flying out the gate, uh, unstoppable, doing what USC can do. They have immense talent, immense talent at the skill position. So when they put it all together, they, they can be scary for any team in the nation to stop. Um, for ASU, they're playing with a backup quarterback and Joey Yellen. I believe he threw for around a little bit less than 300 yards, but still um, had four touchdowns on the day. But he had two interceptions, which uh, were really costly in this matchup, um, including the, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the game-ending interception. He threw the ball uh, kind of directly into the left hand of Trojan's defense end Christian Rector, who uh, Christian Rector, and he tipped it to himself, making a diving interception. Rector is an NFL-caliber player, so. These are just mistakes that um, I believe Joey Yellen's a true freshman. He'll learn down the road if he ever gets a chance to start because this does look like Jane Daniels' team, obviously, when he returns. So another big factor for ASU was their star running uh, – no, Benjamin, their star running back fumbled two times, and that just really hurts. Like, he lost one of them. You can't – he's your leader, especially in a game when you're playing with your backup quarterback. So to have that happen to him really hurt the flow of ASU's offense, and especially – one fumble came when it was 13-28. to 28. ASU was kind of creeping their way back in the game, and that halted their progress. They, they kept creeping, but at the, it temporarily halted their progress. So the big takeaway for this game is a um, huge win for Clay Helton. Maybe it saved his job, at least for another week. Um, but the thing with the Trojans is this game could be a metaphor for Clay Helton's career. I wrote this uh, earlier this week in a writing piece. It seems like at moments they are so good, like, this first half team this looked like the best team in the conference. USC's offense was on. Their defense was stepping up, playing, well, playing defense. They've been, they've been hurt all year. So it was nice to see that. Um, but then it just suddenly went away. I mean, you these things are un, inexplicable, unexplainable, like, antithetical. I don't know. Just let's throw out new words. Just like I don't understand how this is possible. Yes, you're facing uh, a, a conference opponent on the road, so you have to expect some fight. But to let them get almost all the way back in the game. And if it's not for Christian Rector making a phenomenal play, tipping the ball to himself, then 
there's a chance that, well, ASU wins this game, and USC is heartbroken. Clay Hilton is most likely fired, but they've found a way. So which, which Trojan team is this going to be? Are they going to develop consistency under Clay Hilton? Or if it's not Clay Hilton next year under a new head coach, um, it's it's very difficult in life and in football to play at extreme highs and extreme lows. You're looking for a balance, and it just they haven't found that, and it's just it's just tough. It's just tough. It's just really confusing too. Um, so yeah, um, they won the game. Bottom line, um, they still have an outside outside shot to win the t- uh, Pac-12 title, assuming that. Uh, UCLA can beat um, Utah, and then they didn't, the Trojans in turn would have to beat UCLA, their rivals. So anything's possible. They still technically can win the South title, so everything's still ahead of them. But just what a weird performance. And on the other hand, ASU, um, this it's still kind of what we expected at the beginning of the year. But it, it just it's tough if you're a Sun Devils fan to have so, um, such nice highs at the beginning of the year. You had that huge win against Michigan State where Jane Daniels picked up a, like a, a run on like a fourth and twelve type situation to basically keep the game alive. You have Jane Daniels also jumping into the end zone against the Cougars to pull out a thirty-eight to thirty-four victory. So to have those wins and now suddenly I believe they've lost three games in a row and to really fallen out of anything other than qualifying for a bowl game. Uh, Definitely kind of hurts the progress of the program. Uh, again, I wouldn't personally. I believe that Herm Edwards is a great coach, so I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Um, I still think they're going to be fine. I still think they're going to make a bowl game in next year with a uh, Jane Daniels in the sophomore campaign and Herm Edwards really getting kind of his recruiting players in in that third year. I think they're going to be very dangerous again next year. But just um, kind of like USC, but in a different way, the highs and the lows, and particularly in this game, uh, USC's defense actually did a really good job. Backup quarterback, like I mentioned, Joey Yellen, had a solid game. I mean, for backup freshman quarterback, he did he did what you can ask him to. They, um, a no Benjamin fumbled a couple times, as you mentioned. But I think the big the biggest thing that hurt ASU is they couldn't find Brandon Ayuk, who's their star. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, who's their star wideout. He only had like five catches for 50 yards, and uh, not being able to get him involved really allowed USC to cheat up in the run game. And Benjamin really struggled. I think he had like 20 carries for like. 50, 60 yards, something along those lines. Again, danger man with exact statistics. I'm, I'm in the ballpark here. Um, bottom line is he wasn't efficient. He wasn't effective. He wasn't able to do much. And uh, that's a credit to the USC Trojans. But for ASU, um, who, what is their identity going forward? Obviously, when Jaden Daniels returns, he was only a game-time decision this week with his injury. So good chance he's back for, um, I believe they call it the Territorial Cup and uh, whoever else they play before their matchup with rival Arizona. So... Bottom line for both these teams here, um, USC, what are we going to see week in and week out? Clay Hilton could technically still win the Rose Bowl this year. Clay, head coach Clay Hilton, uh, I think you know he's the head coach. <laughs> I just figured I'd throw, throw that nifty fact in there for you. But, yeah, I mean, they still could win the Rose Bowl, still could win the South title with a little help, and everything's in front of them. They could also sputter out the rest of the way and finish playing in a pretty lowly bowl game, which – for some teams, that's great. For USC, that's not what they're looking for. For ASU, um, let's just see if they can regain their composure. No one's asking them to win out, but if they can make a bowl game second year in a row under Herm Edwards, making a bowl game, find a way to win that and build on next year will be good. But definitely going for, through a rough patch here, and um, it's never easy to win with a backup quarterback in conference play. So they did their best, couldn't get the job done, but still have chances for a bowl game. Both these programs are in similar but different directions. It's 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 just a it's just an interesting scenario you got with these two teams. Dane, what are you thinking? So this was the most uh, relevant game on the national stage. Uh, USC, Arizona State. Those are two name band programs that will uh, drive eyes to the screen, and both are having you know years that maybe. Uh, at least for Arizona State, you were expecting somewhat of a, a different result. Although they started strong, you know, they fizzled. And so they may have, like Nick stated previous on a previous podcast of ours, they sort of uh, jumped the gun, basically, and led a lot of people to uh, believe that they were going to finish out just as strong as they started, and that's clearly not 
the case, though I think if you had Jaden Daniels in this game, you win. And that that fact is really um, shines a light on USC's quality. And I actually looked at USC's recruiting class ranking, and it's terrible. They're at near the bottom of the conference. They're like around Arizona in the national ranking for their recruiting class. I know it's early, kind of. Um, the early signing period here is in about a month. But if you're an elite-level program like USC and that's your recruiting class and you're struggling um, to close out a game like this against Arizona State, I mean, granted, it's tough to go into Tempe and you started off really strong, but other than those four touchdowns in the first quarter, you scored three points the rest of the game. And I said last week that the nail was in the coffin uh, when USC got destroyed by Oregon. And now we're like burying dirt on the coffin. I mean, it's got to be a foregone conclusion that Clay Helton's gone, right? There's no possible way he stays at the end of this year. They would be, that would be... A disastrous choice and I know they just hired a new AD from Cincinnati and so he's going to decide what to do with Clay Helton and speaking from experience when you have a new AD they tend to make changes so Clay Helton's gone plain and simple and that's good like this shouldn't be happening to USC the elite level program that they are with all the tradition, all the fan support, you know, being located in LA, good academics. You shouldn't be struggling to beat Arizona State down their starting quarterback. All right, so as we're moving through the slate of games this week, we have kind of probably, I'd say, the biggest surprise of the week, and that was Cal beating WSU. Um, I believe the game was in Berkeley. Yeah, the game was in Berkeley. So the main takeaways from this, we'll start off with some kind of key points here, is for WSU, they're just not who they have been the previous years. Um, the defense is really struggling to ta- tackle, struggling to do much of anything, right? Um Quarterback Anthony Gordon, even though he has all the stats in the world, is not winning games. It's the bottom line. He still is throwing for like 3,700 yards and like 35-plus touchdowns, but he's not winning games, so um, leave it at that. For Cal, this was a big bounce-back performance. Um, after the Chase Garbers injury, they've <laughs> really been bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> <coughs> Pardon my cough there. No other word to say. They've just really looked bad, particularly offensively. So, hold up. Hold up. Your boy's got something in his throat here. I'm going to grab some water. Show you how authentic we are. There's the creaking of the door. I got to grab some water. Maybe that's just how shocking this game was. Here you go. Got some glug glug sounds. So, WSU. Um... Excuse me, we're just talking about Cal here. So, Cal found a way to get the job done today. Huge win for them. Uh, Devon Modster threw for um, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, over 200 yards on the day. Uh, probably his best performance as um, Cal's back at quarterback. Um, running back Christopher Brown Jr. rushed for 95 yards and a touchdown, had a great performance himself. So, the offense really came together, and this was by far Cal's most impressive victory in a long time. And... Um, they really actually control this game from start to finish, so it's uh, big for them. They still have, um, what, how, how, why can I not say this here? Come on, think, Nick, think, Nick. Hey, we're on a three-day weekend. You're going to have to give me an extra minute here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so Cal still has some bowl game, uh, still has the opportunity to qualify for a bowl game. And this win and this matchup goes a long way in making this a realistic possibility. For uh, WSU, um, they're just not, as I mentioned kind of in the little intro to this game, they're just not who they used to be. 
Um, here's a kind of key example. So on the first drive of the game, we're talking the first drive, uh, quarterback Anthony Gordon throws the interception, and Cal immediately responds going up 7-0. And so if you're looking at this from like kind of just like not reading too far into it, oh, they're down a touchdown, not a big deal. But when you're facing a struggling Cal team, you just gave them life for the rest of the game. Getting that early touchdown, so, okay, we believe, we believe. In football, unlike most any other sport, most any other sport, you can say rugby maybe classifies or boxing or UFC, but when you fall behind in football, you're not just getting beat mentally, you're getting beat physically. You're not just like getting dunked on, like you're hurting out there. So this early spark gives Cal the kind of little boost needed on both the lines throughout the whole program, just that extra incentive to work a little bit harder because now you believe, you know you're not going to get beat up for four quarters. And after that, they looked solid. They made all the big plays, all the right plays. And so, uh, yeah, just uh, you can't be making those mistakes here, Anthony Gordon. You know, he still had great stats. I believe that was only his interception of the game. But it's the timing. Um, there's just some things in sports you got to understand the timing, and that interception really, really hurt them. Um, a quick synopsis on the Cougs here. If you're Mike Leach, um, he's built a great program. Um Everyone has a down year. Uh, maybe they made, uh, oh boy, Cougar fans are not going to like this reference. Maybe they're in a similar location as the Huskies where they selected the wrong quarterback this year. Um, Anthony Gordon waited his time. He's a senior. Great kid. Great stats. Again, you always got to cheer for the kids, so don't get it twisted like that. But he's not getting the job done. Again, they're losing games. They're losing a lot of games. And last year, this was an 11-win team. And for uh, they had a transfer from Eastern Washington named uh, it was either Gabe or Gage Gubrud, uh, Gubrud and uh, he could have been a starter and maybe a better option. Um, we don't know that now. So it is what it is. Um, the Cougs still have a chance to qualify for a bowl game. Um, for Pullman fans, WCU fans, they still have a chance to win the Apple Cup, which would be huge relief after the shoulder, after the butt whooping they've taken the last couple of years. And if you're a Cal program, uh, if you're a Cal fan, this is a huge win for head coach Justin Wilcox. Uh, this team could have quit on him. And they made all the big plays. And players were stepping up left and right with the game and the balance. You can't say on the line, but Cal was still only up by one touchdown. They actually ran a bubble screen on third and nine, which a freshman wideout took to the house, breaking every single tackle. Um, partly an amazing play, partly the Cougars aren't tackling. But for the bravery of whoever Justin Wilcox, um, Cal's offensive coordinator, is, to call Mike Leach's favorite play against him on a third and nine game on the line type play and have it work for in such big proportions, like a long touchdown run, highlight touchdown run, show was just it, it was a great coaching call. <laughs> um, took some conas to make that read for sure or make that call for sure. So going forward, WC and Cal, very similar boats. Oh boy, we got we got a big truck. What 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 are these cars just trying to ruin my podcast, baby? Well, you know, we're gonna make it work either way. But so for Cal and WSU, um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, this truck is kind of bothering me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait for it to go by here. You got water, you got trucks, you got lights, camera, action. You can't feel the Seattle sun, but it's breathing some spirit into me for sure. So, all right, truck's gone. So WSU and Cal, very similar boats. Both teams can qualify for a bowl game, and um, yeah, just for WSU, tough loss for Cal, big win. But the remainder of the season is really going to determine what this means. There's nothing you can read into this too far other than Cal's still fighting and WCU's clearly fallen off this year. Dane, let's do it, baby. Uh, let's have a little... I know Dane's got us with the straightforward segment, you know. <laughs> this one this one was nice choppy, just the way I like it, baby. Yeah, Cal held Wazoo to 20 points, uh, not 14. So they got an extra uh, six points in there. But yeah, this was a great win for Cal. This is a huge momentum builder. Uh, I'm really surprised that this result happened. And today it was announced that Chase Garbers is returning from his injury. So you have the real potential to end the year off on a very high note. USC is not playing great. uh, And you have a good defense. So that's a winnable game, believe it or not. And then you got Stanford who is also not having a good year and is certainly a beatable team. So, great win for the Bears, for Wazoo. I don't know if there's much you can say. Did they 
they scored a touchdown, right? They scored two. Were they going for two-point conversions? What was happening here? I'm looking at the stats. Anthony Gordon threw the ball 58 times for 407 yards and just two touchdowns. But why were you going for two? That doesn't make sense. Looks like you got a safety here. This is a weird... You scored five points in the first quarter, six in the second, three in the third, and six in the fourth. That is a strange, strange way to get points. But, um, yeah, and at this point, just from a, a neutral perspective, when you see Mike Leach's comments after games or about his team, I don't think that's helping. I don't think calling your players fat and entitled and lazy and frauds and all the other statements, you know, that you see people talk about him making, I don't think that's good for this team. It might be good for certain teams that he's had in the past, but this one is not that type of team. And I don't think those statements help. And at the end of the year, as we're approaching the end of the season, I think... The biggest game is obviously the Apple Cup. And if you're able to get that victory, it at least ties a ribbon on a pretty much terrible season. Washington State has been playing so well the last few years that you're really just surprised to see a result like this. I mean, Cal, Cal's offense just put up 33 points on you. A Cal, this might be the highest, most points that Cal scored all season. I don't have all their stats right in front of me, but Cal doesn't put up points like this. Cal scores like 20, 17, you know, and then they hold people to like 7, 10, 13. So you're able to score 20 on them, but you gave up 33. And if you remember last season, Wazoo's success was partially built around their quality defense. They had a great defense last year, and clearly this year they don't. And they also... I don't know if Anthony Gordon's the problem. I don't think it is. He is. But he's not getting the wins like Gardner Minshew was, you know, or even like a Luke Falk was. I mean, you're 4-5. and five. You have one win in conference and five losses. So something's not right. And like I said, the things that Mike Leach says, I don't think are helping. To round out the slate of games this week, we had a Colorado versus Stanford. And well, it turned out being a close game, but there wasn't a lot of action. Colorado ended up winning, or the Buffs ended up winning the game 16-13 on a game-winning field goal by a kicker's name who I totally am not going to remember. So, good for you, kid. Um, I'm not going to remember his name. I'm just going to be honest right now. So, the main takeaway from this game is really <laughs> not a lot. Um, for Colorado, they kept their bowl eligibility alive. A uh, big win. Proves them to four and six. If you're a Stanford fan, this season just gets more confusing every game. Like, literally every single game. I mean, they put up 41 points last week against Arizona, and this week they can only put up 13. It appeared that with senior quarterback KJ Costello back, the offense is going to flow, and that just was not the case. They really, they really struggled, with the exception of like um, a deep touchdown pass on a third and long to Simi Fajoko. The offense was pretty much. No, I don't want to say useless, but they didn't do much the whole game. So, uh, some big takeaways. Um, <laughs> so there's not a lot here, but there are some things you can kind of analyze. Um, first and foremost for Colorado, an impressive win for Mel T- for head coach Mel Tucker. Um, as I mentioned at the top, uh, to dive in a little more specifics, his defense really performed, and a little bit about his pedigree. He was a defensive coordinator for Ohio State in the Jim Trestle area, one of national uh, Jim Trestle era. Won a national championship. He was a 
defense coordinator under Nick Saban. So this guy's hung his hat on defense and to get their defense rolling in the right direction with um, what may be perceived or what may be less talent than some of the other teams in the conference is a big win. Especially, I mean, KJ Costello's a good quarterback, so to be able to hold him in the Stanford offense only 13 points is a pretty big deal, and they should be proud of that. Offensively, you're a bus fan. Uh, Steven Montez Jr. Uh, found a way to get done, their quarterback, but he's just not had that good of a year. Again, this this performance, he underwhelmed. Threw for like 160 yards, uh, one interception, zero touchdowns on the day. Um, as always, wide out LaVisca Schnault Jr. is <laughs> like unstoppable. <laughs> he had like 91 yards and more than half of Montez's um, passing yards on the day went to him. So Schnault Jr., he really is just the Colorado offense. As he goes, they go. And they only got 16 points, but... If it wasn't for him, it could look real questionable. So, And um, their running back, Fontenot, had a good game, uh, Alex Fontenot. He uh, rushed for 95 yards, um, so they had a nice balance offensively. Again, Montez didn't perform best, but they are able to get a nice balance between Chanel Jr. and Fontenot. So Colorado, big win. Uh, don't want to take anything away from it because they do keep themselves bowl eligible. Just was kind of just one of those lackadaisical, weird, kind of lazy games. But, hey, it turned out close to the end. Good for the Buffs, and you don't want to take, again, you don't want to take anything away from a win. A win is a win, particularly in conference play. It's not easy to win in conference. Sometimes it's easy to forget that, so good for them. Prove the record of 4-6, and six, and maybe, just maybe creep their way into the bowl game. Not likely, but it is possible. So, if you're Stanford, as I mentioned before, this team just, dude, like, they make no sense. And I, I can try and give you reasons and stats and analysis I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't think they know. Head coach David Shaw doesn't know. It's like with the return of, as I said, like with the return of KJ Costello, you're thinking, okay, they got the ball rolling now. Big win against Arizona. They got a very winnable game in Colorado, and they just didn't get the job done. Um, Cameron Scarlett, really, their running back didn't do too much. So if you're Stanford this season – with all the brutal injuries to their offensive line, um, eight in total th- uh, throughout the season, lost three starters, lost to All-American and Walker Little. Um, I'm not sure exactly what their um, overall record is right now. I do know that they have a chance to make a bowl game still, and they still face um, Cal big in the rivalry game. So that would be a nice win. If they could beat Cal, they still face Notre Dame. So they still have two rivals on their schedule, which um, they get those two wins. They're bowl eligible. And you two wins over rivals, and this should be considered a very successful year. But it just—it's just so confusing how a team that can beat you dub with a backup quarterback in Davis Mills, and then go lose to Colorado three, four weeks later. There really is no predictability for the Cardinal. There's, um, yeah, there's just not too much to say. But they still have a chance to play for a bowl game, and the, if they can grab those two rivalry wins, then. They got something to look forward to. Not going to drag on again. There's there's nothing you can take. Let's just see how the Cardinal finish this year out. And uh, do want to say um, this team could have folded with all the injuries to their offensive line. And head coach David Shaw has done an amazing job. Probably low key one of the most impressive um, coaching jobs of the year. And we're not talking like they have a ten win season, but when you lose that many starting offensive linemen, and this this was a new offense to begin with. They were replacing a lot of players. Um, to be able to even have this level of success is truly impossible. And all the glitz, glam, fashion, the skill players and big hits and all that, if you can't control the line of scrimmage, it's going to prove very difficult to win most games at any level of football. I don't – high school, AAU, AAU excuse me, um, peewee, whatever it may be. So he's done an incredible job. So, but again, kind of similar um, for both teams. Uh, Colorado realistically won't make a bowl game. I mean, if they can find a way to beat Utah, then – Mel Tucker has done an amazing job. And for uh, Stanford, they, they have a realistic shot to make a bowl game. So let's see what happens. Um, kind of sleepy game in Boulder, but the Buffs got the win on homecoming. Good fans, uh, good fan base. There's, um, good fans, good fan base. No, don't, Nick. Uh, yeah, their fans are really loud, though, for a team that was 3-6. and six, So respect to that. Um, yeah, we're going to have Dane close you out, then get to the closing segments. And then your boy Nick can watch the Seahawks game. We're going to beat the Niners today. If you did not think I was going to slip that in there, you don't know anything about 12 Nation. So the story from this game is Colorado getting back into the winning column. They were able to win by three over a Stanford team that is having an awful year. And at some point, 
it may be worth discussing whether or not David Shaw is the right option, though I think it's early to be discussing that, though it's getting to the point where it might be um, a legitimate thing to start talking about, and I'm talking about it now, so there you go, but we'll just leave it at that for now, and really this game was about Colorado, glad for their fan base, they've been on a, I think it was a five game losing streak, it might have been six, but I think it was five, and they're finally able to get a victory, and they could still make a bowl game, I think they gotta beat Utah, who's still on their schedule, Uh, but you know, it's more about the fans and building momentum for next season. They have a good recruiting class coming in. They seem to get new commits weekly. And their class is ranked top 50. I believe that it's about 5th or 6th in the conference. So you're on the up and up on the recruiting Um you know, aspect of uh, football here, though it'll be interesting to see if they're able to translate that into more success next season. But like I said, for the fan base, this was a big win. This was good for them. I'm looking at this score. It looks like there was only two touchdowns this entire game, one by Stanford and one by Colorado. Like, is that a defensive struggle? Or is that just two terrible offenses? And Colorado doesn't have a good defense, and neither does Stanford. So there's your answer to that. Um, and yeah, KJ Costello, I mean, 245 yards and a touchdown, 18 completions. Fontenot, I hope I'm saying that right for Colorado, had a nice game, 18 carries for 95 yards. Uh But yeah, I mean, if you didn't watch this game, which I did not see any of it, it doesn't look like we've missed much. This is a surprising result, sure, though it is very difficult to play up there in Boulder. And yeah, if you're Stanford, I guess the season comes down to whether or not you beat Cal. A bowl game is looking more and more unlikely. But if you're able to beat your rival, you at least have that. But now that Chase Garbers is coming back, that is looking less likely, at least than, you know, when you had to deal with Monster or that other freshman third stringer who was just not ready. Um, but yeah, I guess you got to bounce back. Don't worry about this game and just, you know, keep on rolling. It's like a lot of the teams in the conference at this point you know, below 500 and not all that much to look forward to the rest of the season. Uh, But yeah, like I said, good win for Colorado. Glad for their fan base. And they have a good recruiting class coming in. So um, this is good uh, momentum to get the ball rolling towards next year, which is uh, big for a first-year coach to end the season strong. So, to close out the episode, I just got cayenne pepper on my phone. I'm not even sure how that's possible. But I figure that is a very, very important way to round out this podcast. And I don't think there's anything more important than that. You know, maybe even throw some turmeric on it. How, how am I supposed to know what we're doing? So, I did want to say, now that I'm done just doing me, um, again, thank you to the veterans allowing me to say anything I want without fear of persecution. Um, risking your lives, um, I think that is just, it's just the ultimate sacrifice, and it's just something that I, I can't, it's something I couldn't possibly imagine, so just thank you again, thank you to anyone who's served, and uh, to the families who've been affected, and uh, your efforts are greatly appreciated, um, in all seriousness. Um, so to close out the week here, I would like to say that the biggest um, game in the Pac-12 might have actually not happened in the Pac-12. Um, so that would be, that was the weirdest pause, but, um, so that would be Minnesota beating Penn State. Just, uh, that gives Oregon and Utah, specifically Oregon, 
a pretty good shot, not pretty good shot, but an increased shot of being selected for the college football playoffs. So again, Minnesota took down Penn State. Penn State was previously ranked number four. And huge, that's huge for Oregon and Utah, who are both idle this week. Um, in terms of the actual games played in conference, um, sorry, Deion Sanders, stealing your role from NFL Network here. Uh, we're only going to talk about the winning teams in my final segment. Dane might cover everyone. I, if you don't win, you ain't making my final segment. That's just a fact. So, go with Washington. Uh, again, great defensive performance, best performance of the year. Um, running game looked great. Savan Ahmed made big plays. Um, Jacob Eason still struggling to find his um, confidence or reading the game at quarterback, whatever it may be. Thus, you still have a chance to win, including um, to finish the season strong, including a win over Washington State in the Apple, Apple Cup would be a nice kind of way to end their season, entering um, postseason play. So the Huskies um, clearly didn't meet their goals that they probably had at the beginning of the season, but still can play in a decent bowl game, still finish the season strong, and uh, continue building the program in the right direction. Um, we go to USC. Clay Helton is safe for another week. Um, yeah, he, he found a way to win the game, or almost lost it, but just hung on 31-26. Trojans greatly benefited by having um, a defensive end, Christian Rector, back. I believe it was his second week back. And uh, they may have found a real stud in halfback, Keenan Christian. He is explosive. He, he, he's dangerous, and he will add a new element to the air raid system that should be very, very fun to watch. Go down to Cal. Um, really a season-saving win for Cal and Justin Wilcox. There's no other way to put it. I don't think many people had them slated in as beating the Cougs for this game. But they've found a way to hold the air raid to 14 points, which is truly, truly impressive. A uh, great defensive effort. And Devon Monster played a, arguably his best game of the year since taking over for Chase Garbers. Again, running back Christopher Brown Jr. did a good game. So just a nice all-around game for Cal. Good offense, good defense, special teams. Wasn't too much happening either way, but definitely their most complete performance since the early season injury to Chase Garbers and gets them back in contention for bowl eligibility. And the final team and the sleepy, sleepy game in Boulder, um, the bus found a way to win. Wasn't pretty, wasn't the most exciting game, but they did win. They won at homecoming. Um, more power to them. Good job. Keep keep them keep themselves realistic. I mean, technically speaking, they have a chance to make it qualifying for bowl game. Again, not likely, but they do have a chance sitting at 4-6 and six if they can win their last two games. So that's it for me on episode 4 of the Danny and Nick podcast. I mean, I, I guess this is the title now. We haven't, we haven't you know, kind of finalized, so we're going to roll Dane and Nick. I mean, what else could it be, baby? Thank you for tuning in. We're going to let Dane take you out. Oh, and you already know it's coming. Go Seahawks, baby. Let's get it. All right. Have a good weekend, y'all. Thanks for listening. Hit him, Dane. All right, guys. Shout out to Nick. Doing all the work this week. Doing all the analysis. Watching all the games. While co-host number two is on vacation. So, yeah. My analysis was limited this week. And I want to thank Nick for being able uh, to watch all these games and make this podcast what it is. uh, Especially the analysis and insight that he had on all the games from this weekend because uh, without him this weekend the podcast would be extremely light Uh, of course I'll get back to my regular schedule of watching the games for this week coming up but just wanted to give a, a special thanks to Nick for everything he did for this episode